Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. But they did, but they hadn't seen anything like that before. We are in a study of the book of Mark. We're looking at who Jesus is and what we learn from that and what we take away from that. I want to go back uh, from this story. I finished the story last week, and as I, I typically will listen to my own messages, not because I'm a glutton for punishment, but because I want to uh, find out what I'm doing that I might improve on. And as I listened to it last week, I thought, wow, I missed the main point of that story, of the one that we... So I want to take a running jump into it, um, because somehow I, I didn't say what I had written right in front of me. Um, we, last week, we looked at the story of the leper and how a, a man with leprosy or some kind of skin disease that kept him isolated from the community came to Jesus and said, Lord, if, if you're willing, I know you can heal me. And Jesus touches the leper and said, I'm willing, be healed. And I did make mention that he did touch him. The point I didn't make that I wanted to was this. Jesus didn't have to touch him. Jesus had healed by his word many times. He just said, be healed. One time he healed from a long distance and just said, you don't even need to be here. I'm just going to say, be healed. But Jesus took the opportunity to touch someone who, in the eyes of the Jewish Pharisees, would have made Jesus unclean by association, by touching him. But what the story is that the power of Jesus to heal is greater than the power of sin to contaminate. And so... This story and this, this theme we see throughout Mark, and it's reiterated again just in the verses just past what Bob read this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to the second chapter of, of Mark. And he ended at verse 12. But in verse 13, we see this same again. It says, Jesus went out again by the sea, and all the crowd were coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And he reclined at the table in his house. And many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, uh, scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's a scandal for Jesus to be seen with people who are sinners, who are so, uh, so dirty to be tax collectors. Remember, tax collectors conspired with the Romans, and they often were seen as corrupt, skimming money off the top. And they were, Jews who did that were seen as outcasts. And so Jesus didn't, however, just like touching the leper didn't mar Jesus, so didn't 
hanging out with sinners. I've had iterations of one of this conversation several times since I've been a pastor. You know, you get a special view of life when people find out you're a pastor. I hold off on that as long as I can, not because I'm embarrassed about it, but because all of a sudden people feel compelled to somehow change their behavior. Right. Uh, my, my neighbors, I, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not embarrassed at all, but somehow they say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, if, I, if I said a bad word in front of you in the last year, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, OK, I, you know, uh, but again, I was a salesman for 10 years. You haven't said anything I haven't heard. So uh, I have the, the iteration of the conversation goes something like this. We're going to have some friends over to our house. Would you and, and or Nancy like to come? I say, sure, I'd love to come. Um, I want to let you know there'll be people drinking there. Okay. And I don't know how much they'll drink. Okay. They might be smoking, too. Okay. I also don't know what conversation topics they'll be. Okay. This goes on in some variation a lot of times in my life. And, you know, I I appreciate it. I think they want to hold me back somehow, you know. But this same idea that somehow I, as the pastor, will somehow be marred by being in the presence of sinners. I don't think that no one's ever asked me to drink too much, right? They've never asked me to smoke. You will not be harmed by being in the presence of people who are deep in sin. They will never know Christ if you're not. Jesus came and he said, I came not for well people, okay? I came for people who are sick, whether they know they're sick or not. So Christian, don't be afraid, right, to be with people who are caught in sin. You don't have to participate or affirm their sin. You need to love them and touch them as a Christian who are untouchable because the power of Christ to heal through you is the greater than the power of sin to mar you. It always has been and it always will be. That's the point. Should have made that last week. Okay. The story this morning. Guys that I talked to, can you go? Where are my guys to go? I only see Russell there. They're there. Okay. So I want to, I, we're, we're doing a little visual demonstration here so you can kind of look over here to your right. <laughs> Because this is one of the most visually compelling stories in the entire gospel. Four friends carrying a paralyzed friend on a bed, right? And so here they come. Here's the, we, we have brought at great expense and time travel the paralyzed friend, all right? So this is sort of the way it looked. Now, just, just hold on. Hold, don't put him down. Don't put him down. You, you, ain't, you ain't to Jesus yet. All right. <laughs> So imagine if all of us are here and we're blocking his way. And Jesus is over here. I'm certainly not going to play Jesus in this story. And they're all over here. And just hundreds of us are here. And they're like, yeah, well, I got here first, right? My, I got the tickets. So you're in, you're in the lawn seat, standing room only. You're not getting around. So now what I want you guys to do, there's a hatch down the hall up to the roof. And I want you to take him up to the roof. And I want you to make a hole right here. And I want you to find some ropes. And I want you to lower him in front of this here. Okay? So we'll see you in a while. No, you don't really have to do that. All right. Just, I want you to look at this visual for just a minute. Okay? If you can see it. Now, you can set him down. Samuel, thank you. Samuel, you were brilliant, by the way. He was the one lying down. All right. I want you to 
We can't separate this story from the context of what was going on here. The first chapter is Jesus demonstrating how much authority he has. He's calling fishermen. He's calling tax collectors. He's taking authority over people filled with demons. He's taking authority over illness, over leprosy. He's declaring that he's going to share his event of his coming is going to be revolutionary to the world. So he's saying these things of of where the authority is. And he's told the leper that we just discussed, I know I healed you, but don't go spreading the news around. Go and obey the law by showing that you're clean to the priest, because that's the way the law determines you can be restored to community. But don't go talking about it. Why was this? Was Jesus afraid of somehow there's a secret that he, you know, whatever he comes out? People have debated this for a long time as to why. Well, I think it's pretty clear in what's going to happen in this story right now. Jesus understood at this point of his ministry the logistics were going to be difficult. Look, in our day and age, if it gets out that there's a, a, a faith healing and people think there's a faith healing somewhere in the world, what happens? Right? I mean... People descend on if they think there's an opportunity because that's what people do. And, and it, it's right. We, we want to be healed. But I think Jesus understood that his logistics of moving around was going to be hindered. The leper, however, had a better idea. Okay? Let me just tell you, if, if, if God tells you to do something, if the Bible tells you to do something that doesn't make any sense to you, do it anyway. He knows better than you do. And it made no sense, I'm cl- clearly to the leper, why he should obey Jesus. Why not tell everybody? It's good news. Well, I think situations like this in Capernaum. He's, Jesus made his residency in Capernaum when he was in ministry for the three years. Here he is in either a house he lodged in or somewhere. And people are standing room only. People can't get in. And these friends bring this paralyzed friend to be healed and they can't get in think of the friends right they haul this guy from wherever all the way there and then they see that there's no way to get him in front of jesus so they don't let that deter him with faith they go up on the roof they remove the palm branches or whatever else is up there they figure out a way to lower him in front of jesus and listen to jesus words here it's it's amazing Think for just a minute with me as we're listening to this. Why did they bring their friend to Jesus? Hold your thought in your head, right? When they couldn't get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. They didn't, like, make a hole like this, right? They removed the roof. I'm sure they repaired it. When they had an, made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Well, there's so much faith here. Get up, rise up, and walk. You're healed. Is that what he says? Doesn't say that. Jesus knew why they came. Jesus was not dumb. Right? I think we can all agree on that. He knew exactly why this man was being lowered. What I want to tell you is Jesus saw the real need, not the perceived need. Let me just tell you something. The death rate in the world is, as far as I know, 100%. Okay? 
You can be healed many times in your life. It's still 100%. There is only one disease, one sickness that will ultimately kill you scripturally, and it's sin. And there is only one cure spiritually, which is forgiveness. I say that with great respect because I know people suffer and no one, none of us wish that pain. But it's 100%. And if we think that somehow Jesus saw the ultimate need, not the immediate need. And if we are wise, we will see through immediate needs. Now, think about the different people that are there. We have the paralytic. We don't know exactly what he thought. Here he is. He's lowered. He finally gets in front of the healer. By the way, Jesus wasn't the only healer of that day. There were, there, there's, I mean, there were people healing throughout the Old Testament. Prophets healed. We see many healings through the Old Testament. And during that first century, there were people who, we don't know because we don't, we don't have good testament about it, but people who said healing ministries went on. All that to say, this guy had a real reputation. <laughs> Jesus did. And he gets lowered in front, I'm sure wanting to walk. And Jesus said, son, we ask this close relationship. Your sins, they're forgiven. I'm sure he may not have understood immediately what just happened. The friends up on the roof looking down, I'm sure one of them probably wanted to say, no, 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 no. It's all well and good, but um, could you also do the leg thing too? Because the sin thing's fine, but we can't see that. The Pharisees are over there saying, "Um, okay, hold on. I have some theological problems right now with what's happening right here. As well they should have, because if Jesus isn't God, then he is blaspheming. This all comes down to one question, this whole story. Is Jesus who he said he is? Right? Because if he's not God and claims to forgive sin, then he's a blasphemer and deserves punishment. Now, how do you show someone's sins are forgiven? Jesus clearly had that problem in mind too. He says, okay, I can see or hear, he had a word of knowledge, I know that you're troubled by this. So let me ask you a question. Which is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up, take up your bed, and be healed. Go home. Let me ask you that question. Which is easier? Well, it all depends. Let me just tell you, it all depends. If you're asking which is easier to prove, clearly rise up, take your bed, go home, and walk is easier to prove, because, again, you can't see sins being forgiven. But how many people did God use to bring healing power throughout Scripture? Many. How many people can forgive sin? One. Ultimately, it's harder to forgive sin because only God can forgive sin. And even a healed man eventually goes to the grave. We're faced with this question... Is Jesus Christ who he said he is? He says, 
in order that you may know that I have the authority, the Son of Man, he calls himself, the authority to forgive sins, then watch, we'll do the one that's visible. The implications of this are fairly startling. Because it seems that Jesus was saying, I'm only doing this healing in order that you may know the real issue at hand here is that you're far away from God and your sin is keeping you from God. That's the issue at hand. And so he says, son, take up your bed, rise up and walk and go. They said, we ain't seen nothing like this. I think in some ways, Jesus being eternally wise knew that having the healing, that's the thing people would remember. But ultimately, that's not what would save the man. You're in my deepest needs. I don't know if if I asked you now, what's the biggest need in your life? I'm sure we'd all have a lot of answers, but be very careful. Because any need that's fulfilled and met in this world right now, you need money, you need a raise, you need more faith, you need healing, We all have those, and they're legitimate needs. I have those needs, you have those needs. But ultimately, they all belong to this world. They all belong to a very temporal temporal point in time. If you don't know this morning that your deepest need is that the love of God and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ would touch you to make you one with Him and right with Him, we have all missed the point as much as the Pharisees did. Our deepest need is to be forgiven and then to forgive. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to be a certain kind of person. You don't have to stop drinking or taking drugs or change your sexual practices. You don't have to do anything to receive the forgiveness of Christ because while we were yet sinners... Romans tells us, Christ died for us. The sin and the behavioral change flows out of the forgiveness that he offers. You and I are marked forever by sin until we're marked forever by the cleansing of Christ. This doesn't make any sense to the world. I get it. Jesus' words would make no sense to the leper who saw his greatest need as, not the leper, sorry, the the paralytic whose greatest need was to walk, the friends whose greatest need was to see their friend restored, Pharisees whose greatest need was to see doctrinal purity. Everybody's got their needs, but Jesus comes to meet the need you may not even know you have. Sin runs rampant through us and has a lot of consequences. It's far-reaching in its effects. It ruins relationships. It mars bodies. It mars institutions. 
Guys, our world is a testimony to what happens when sin rules and reigns. We cannot start to reform our nation or our churches or our homes until we begin with our hearts. Now, if you're perfectly right with God and you have nothing between you, praise God. I, I'm, I truly am thrilled, and, and some of you may be, because certainly we can repent and have our hearts clean. But don't think because you're a Christian and at some point in your life you said a prayer, your parents said a prayer, you were baptized, that somehow there's nothing standing between you and God. The functionality of that will be you'll, you'll see it in the way you live your life and the way the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the joy and the peace. And you don't need the things, the things of this world, the money and the, the things that bring you peace, the, the, the booze or the pills. You don't need that stuff to keep you right because with God, you see that. But this story is all about a God who is willing to be a healing God and a forgiving God even when the person who is being lowered before him doesn't even know what he needs to ask. We're going to pray. We're going to close. But I, the takeaway from this sermon should be blatantly obvious. Forgiveness is available to any who want it. Now, if you don't need forgiveness, you don't really believe in a God like that, or you're just fine, then thank you for being here and thank you for your respect and listening to me. But the gospel will never penetrate a heart that doesn't need, has no need. If you know you need God and you need forgiveness, you can have it every single moment of every single day. It is available to you. And it is available freely. You need to do nothing except ask and trust Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I stand, and I know I stand in need of forgiveness, Lord. I'm a proud man. Lord, I'm a man given to fear. Lord, I could name a dozen sins on the tip of my tongue that I know I wrestle with all the time. I'm crippled and I'm paralytic, Lord, in my ability, not in my ability to walk, but in my ability to function often because I try to do it on my own, Lord. And I want to be brought before you and laid before you, unable to do anything for myself. I invite any of you who need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, to ask him for it now. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart and you need forgiveness for all the sins that you've ever done, it is available to you as simply as asking him to cleanse you. But with it is the cost of following him, rising up, taking your bed and walking, but your life will never be the same. You've asked Christ to forgive and cleanse your sins, but there have been things that you have done that have disappointed him. Take the opportunity now to let the blood of Jesus Christ, his forgiveness, wash over you. Let's take a minute of silence as we pray.
contemplate the words of Scripture. When King Jesus walks into a situation, so walks in his kingdom. And we learn in Revelation 21 that when Jesus comes in, then there's no more sorrow and sighing. Ultimately, he's going to bring all things to right when he comes again. And that he's going to be the light. And that... The lame will walk in heaven, the blind will see. All those ills, all the human corruption of our bodies and our minds will be made right when the kingdom comes in full. We're only living it in part right now, so we're subject to so much that's not good. But in clinging to he, him who is good, we're waiting and we're counting on that he's going to set things right.